Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. It's called WTF. How are you? Everything all right? Uh, back from New York City. And what a fucking amazing trip. I've been away for three weeks. I don't know if you folks have been keeping up, but uh, I'll give you some updates. By the way, D.L. Hughley is on the show today. He's a guy that I've been wanting to talk to for years, actually. For years. I had a mild obsession with his very first HBO half hour because I think we did him around the same time. We talk a bit about it, but I always wanted to interview him for years and it just never happened. It almost happened a lot. And we had a lovely conversation. So he's going to be here momentarily. Also, yes, I did see it. Yes, I heard about it. I did see it. What am I talking about to those of you who uh, who don't know what I'm talking about? Well, I'll tell you. Alex Moffat on SNL uh, did me as a character in a sketch. It was the Potty Awards, the Podcast Awards. So uh, they took the piss out of podcasting, but I think it had it coming. I, I've no... Uh, I have no real issue with that. I thought I thought it was funny. I thought it was uh, inside in a way. And then he came out and did me. And I got to be honest with you. I was uh, e- e- very flattered. I'm not easy to do. I know that. I don't have enough. I don't think I have enough quirks or ticks. Or maybe, I don't know, James Adobian does a pretty good me. Uh, but Alex uh, Moffat did a very... What, what impressed me was I feel like in the sketch, he, he seemed to... He put some effort into it in the sense that, like, I think he got my walk right. I, it, you know, it looked like he put some effort, he put some time into getting me right. And, you know, I'm barely doing that. I mean, I'm still doing that myself. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there on some days. I, I almost get me right. I thought he got the voice right, the intonation right. Very flattering. And I got to say, uh, you know, I always wanted to be on SNL and that might be it. I might have just gotten on SNL uh, by proxy uh, through the character of me played by Alex Moffat. I'd like to thank him for doing that. It was something, and it was it was good. I was I was um, I I was uh, proud somehow that <laughs> that I'd made it to some level enough to be mocked on SNL uh, as me. That I am enough of a something to where they were like this. This will be funny if we just do an impression of him. I'm a him that they can do an impression of. That is very exciting. Is that okay? Is that all right? I was excited by it. And I thought he did a good job. So. Let's go through it. Let's have at it. I uh, like I, I was sort of going over, you know, my trip to New York and um, 
aside from the terror and apocalyptic fires that are going on here in Los Angeles, which, ha- which happened over the last few days, which are just terrifying. There's always that terror of fire here, and I, I definitely feel horrible for all the people that are losing their homes, the people who lost people, people lost animals, and it's just uh, it's just a tinderbox out here, and there's always this threat of fire, and there always seems to be a fire going on, and it's awful. I, I, I just want to acknowledge that um, we're going through a lot out here. A lot of people are in a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble and need a lot of help, and the firefighters have been amazing. Firefighters, not unlike uh, the vets and soldiers and people in the military, today is their day as well. And uh, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for protecting us, saving lives, and, uh, and doing what you do. We appreciate it. That said, um, I'm back in L.A. My house is okay. Thank you for asking. I'm not sure the air is okay. But if that's the worst that I have to deal with is I, you know, I might not be able to run for a week or so, um, then I'm very grateful. Today, I'm recording this on Sunday. So last night, I did the Beacon Theater. But let's back it up because I was really looking at you know, what kind of, what did I do? Because I was busy the whole time and it was sort of insane what I did. I mean, for the, for the, I, yeah, as most of you know, I did a scene in the, or two in the Joker movie and that went well. And then I went down to Boston and did a couple of scenes in the new Mark Wahlberg film that's being shot called Wonderland. My buddy Pete Berg directed that. But also on top of that, you know, I did interviews. I went to see, um, Aaron Sorkin's To Kill a Mockingbird in previews because I was uh, I, I talked to Aaron Sorkin. I talked to Jeff Daniels, who plays Atticus Finch in the show. It was spectacular to go to the theater to see something that has been rethunk but not um, butchered in any way, to see something that was written when it was written, and to feel how relevant and how much it resonates with the themes of, of uh, horrendous racism. Uh, and it, it, it actually was able to bring some humanity to it in a way that theater uh, is the only thing that can do that. And I thought it was a tremendous uh, effort. And uh, it was great talking to Aaron and and Jeff. You'll get to hear those soon. I also was able to go to see a preview of the new Andy Warhol show at the Whitney, crammed in that. And it's it's really, you know, I, I guess I get jaded. Maybe I, I don't always understand my partner, uh, am I using that word now? My partner, Sarah the Painter, is a painter, so it's always a little intimidating to go to museums with Sarah uh, because, uh, well, I, I am what I am. You know, I, I, you know, she's in it. You know, I'm out of it, but I appreciate it the best I can, and I think sometimes it's good for here to, to hear a layman's point of view, just a guy looking at art with, uh, with some uh, relative sophistication, some intellect, but not a lot of training and not a lot of sense of the history or the context or, or necessarily, you know, what is being shown here. But Warhol, I can handle. Warhol's right there. It's all right up front. You, you, know, you know what he stood for. You know where he came from. You know what he did. You know how he changed things. And it was spectacular. My point was that you go to the Whitney, you go see a Warhol. It's basically a career show, a career retrospective to some degree. And you think you've seen all that stuff. If you've been going to art since you were a kid, which I have, going to see art, you think like, well, what, you know, more Warhol. But I'll tell you, man, it was curated beautifully. They had a lot of early stuff that I'd never seen before. Uh, and they had, and just the selections they made and the way they hung the show was, uh, was tremendous. And like, it was exciting, man. I have not, I mean, I always, I'm always excited to go when I go to see art, but like it was like, I got there and I was elated. 
I, I was like, wow, this is really put together nicely. And, and there was some stuff I'd never seen before. Some stuff that really shows, you know, the depth of what he was capable of color wise and conceptually. It was just uh, tremendous. And then I went to see, I was, I went to the Guggenheim to see the uh, Hilma of Clint, I believe is uh, how you pronounce it. I really didn't know anything about her until Sarah introduced me to her. She was an artist that uh, worked in, uh, God damn, where was it in, uh, was it Sweden, I hope? See, like this is where the conversation <laughs> falls off a little bit. Uh, she was a part of a, a group of women that uh, were, were, were students of a spiritual philosophical society. Uh, she was initially a realist and a, a nature painter, plants, bugs, birds, but then she just broke it open and went on this spiritual quest to sort of like through color and line and uh, abstraction sort of solve some of the, the bigger, you know, questions about uh, the mystical realm. And, uh, and because of that was one of the um, founders, uh, if that's a way to put it, or, or one of the inspirations for the future of abstract painting. And she went relatively unrecognized, as many women do in the painting racket, for many years. And now there's a tremendous uh, retrospective of her work at the Guggenheim. And that was, that was mind-blowing. It's great. If you go to New York, I highly recommend it. And it was the peak of fall. It was just, uh, am I sounding too chipper? I know the world is still ending, but, you know, look, I, I, <sighs> okay. But there was a great moment, though. There was a great moment. And, and I'm, I have to speak as a middle-aged man at some point. Middle-aged men, some of us are doing our best. We're doing our best to, to stay woke, to kind of like, you know, make the adjustments necessary to be respectful of the space that we all occupy together. And there was a moment that, uh, that Sarah kind of witnessed and shared with me at the uh, Hilma off Clint show where she was walking past a, a, a man and a woman. The woman was, you know, slightly ahead of the man and, and the man was, was irate. And, and this is what she heard him say. The man, I don't like art. I'm here with you trying to be open. You hear that tone? I don't like art. I'm here with you trying to be open. I, we don't know what led up to that. We don't know, you know, how long that tone had happened before. But but if you hear that tone, in particular that tone, and especially with that subject matter, that's a, that's a man trying. And, uh, you know, sometimes men are stubborn, but, you know, and, and sometimes we don't, uh, we, especially middle-aged men, we don't make the adjustments uh, as smoothly as we should. But uh, I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm listening. I'm, I'm trying to listen. I'm, I don't want to, okay, I'm sorry. You, you know, that, that tone is, that's not an abusive tone. That's a, that's a man struggling to be woke. So uh, recognize that tone. I'm not saying I'm not I'm, I'm not mansplaining. I'm not trying to. I, I think that Sarah's first response was like, oh, God, why did she bring that guy? And my thought when she told me about that, my response was like, he's trying. He's he's trying. That's the sound of a man trying. So this brings us up to the other night to Beacon Theater. And um, I, you know, look, I don't know. Like recently I've been sort of obsessing obsessing over my last performance in new york my last big one the uh, carnegie hall show i've been sort of hard on myself in retrospect that i wasn't prepared enough that i i felt a little shaky and i didn't feel like i was uh, as grounded as i needed to be i was very hard on myself so heading into the beacon theater which seated about 2500 we had almost 
almost about 2500 in there which is big for me it's about the that's that's about that's a big night for me a local comic in New York Dina Hashem opened for me she did a great job I just didn't know what was going to happen, but it was beautiful because I had to be out of there because Tracy Morgan was the show after mine. So I only had, I had an hour 15 max, so I couldn't fucking noodle on no matter how I was doing. I had to get out. So it tightened me up. And, you know, I don't know why I make myself crazy. Maybe it's just part of my process, but I got out there and it was great right from the beginning. It was a great crowd. It was a great room. It's a beautiful theater. It was actually productive because I'm working through bits and, you know, I tried some new stuff. That I put together that morning, which I always I always seem to do when I'm up against the wall and I'm doing a big show. If I if I just put myself out there and I risk failing or I risk taking uh, out some new bits out there or I frame it a different way, uh, that makes it very immediate and very exciting. And I and I I come out of it thinking I came out of it thinking like I see a form to this. So as this hour evolves, as we move towards another special. I did see a way that I could build something that is a unified hour, which is what I've sort of been doing the last couple of specials I did. So it was great. And I was glad people came out and witnessed that. My mommy was there. My aunt Bobby was there. All my, my aunt Linda, my uncle Bill was there. Brendan McDonald came. Sarah was there. Matt Sweeney was there. Sam Lipsight was there. A lot of Marin cousins that I never see were there. My grandma Goldie's neighbor, Carrie Newark and his family were there. But thank you for coming out. It went great. And the new T-shirts sold very well. That, uh, that new shirt, the new WTF shirt that was available for people at the Beacon Theater is now officially on sale for the general public. This is, it. This is the shirt designed by Aaron Drapland, and it's great. It's a great shirt. So uh, go check it out and get yourself one or buy one as a holiday gift for somebody. It's at podswag.com slash WTF. P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash WTF or just click on the merch link at WTFpod.com. Okay, good shirt. And I'm going to look like that shirt again, at least for a couple of weeks, starting tonight. I'm shaving the fucking beard off, folks. Great trip to New York. Happy to be home. Thank you all for everything. D.L. Hughley is here. And D.L., a lot of respect for this guy. Like him as a comic like him on the radio, like his TV show. I always wanted to talk to him. It was, it was a thrill for me to have him here. His Netflix special, D.L. Hughley Contrarian, is now available to stream. His most recent book, How Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People, is available wherever you get books. And this is me and uh, veteran comic, not a veteran, but uh, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lifer like myself. Uh, me and D.L. Hughley talk. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page 
Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. On your radio show, how, how much do you uh, you go? Do you just talk alone? Are you always in there with somebody? Uh huh. Yeah. But it's more with, with terrestrial. So it's uh, it's uh, you know the uh, R and B format. So we have. I got all that forward momentum teasing yeah. shit. We'll be back. You still got more with tears music. Yeah. And then everybody wants you to sell a pizza, they books. Yeah. They, yeah. So so there's that, and then you know for labels wants you to feature. So it's it's more uh, cluttered. Yes. Yeah. But do they come in and uh, like I remember because I, I like doing radio. I started the 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 way I got used to this was I was on Air America for a year right. and a half. I right. That. Yeah. And you know when you first start doing it, when you got to do a morning show and you got to wake up and be yeah. live. Yeah. It's fucking exciting, man. Well, except <laughs> when you've been out all night and I, I did radio show for a long <laughs> morning yeah. radio for a long time. Yeah. I, I I was beyond my out all night days. Right. Right. No. No. Because <laughs> yeah, you out all night, you you don't know whether you're going to the radio station or going. You're like, hey, I don't think I have breakfast at radio because I've been out so long. <laughs> But I, I love the afternoons. Uh-huh. I love doing that. You do, I, I love the, uh, the the medium of radio. Yeah, me too. You, what do you do? Three to what? Do you do three? What uh, time do you start? Well, we start, well, it's, the show is from three to seven, but, you know, we're in the West, so yeah. when I'm here, it's 12 to four. But, like, so do you live here or you live at- back? I live here in New York. And New York. Uh-huh. And so, how, what's the deal on that? How often do you spend in New York? I'm got, like, I'll finish this, and yeah. I'll go home and pack, and I'll be in New York for- The uh, week? The week, and then I'll be to Portland- then I'll come back and I'll Portland be, for a show. Portland, we're doing the comedy get down with me and George and said George uh, Lopez. Oh really? Said, oh, yeah. you're doing that? Yeah. You're touring with that? Yeah. And Cedric and Cedric and Eddie Griffin. So Holy shit! You got Eddie out? Yep. <laughs> and that's what everybody <laughs> said. Everybody said you, you managed him? to get Eddie. Out? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, where was yeah. he hiding? But he was he was hiding in Vegas and this shit. Like you know, he's doing. He's, he plays a lot of gigs. He got that uh, residency down in Vegas. He does. He was at the Rio. Now he's moved. And that's what he, he just stays there most of the year. Yeah, but he he plays there. I guess Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then he gigs on the weekends. Oh, so like so he's been working. That's a, a that, ton. That's the thing you know. You don't realize about people in our job. You yeah. know, it's like you don't see someone for a while. You, you don't think they ain't doing that. Yeah, you yeah. don't assume yeah. the best. Yeah, <laughs> he's in Tacoma. What? Well, I don't yeah, know what, what that's all about. Yeah, I don't know. What, I didn't ask him anything else. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem like he was mm-hmm. doing comedy. So, yeah. but so that means you go back and forth every week. Mm-hmm. I'm on the road every. Uh, if if. But you do the show mostly in New York. Why? It's it's really fifty fifty because I because you know I'll be like I did the show Friday from Cincinnati because I had a gig there. So you just go into the studio, do ISDN line. Yep. They set you up. Set you up. And you're in it. Is it national? The show? Is yeah, that- we're in seventy some markets. Oh. 70, we're in New York, uh, Baltimore, Detroit. How's it doing? Atlanta, really good. Yeah, really good. It's it's we're. we're, we're Pretty close to the number one urban uh, syndicated show in the country. Oh, that's great. Who's it's ahead funny. of you? I don't know. <laughs> when I say pretty close, because it vacillates every week. But I never, <laughs> let's just say I look down. I don't look up. <laughs> Good. Good. So I was trying to think, like, I've been trying to get you on the show for a long time. Right, right. But I remember the, the thing that I was, like, I remember from way back. Now, am I mistaken? Or did you do a half hour, HBO half hour? Sure. Like around the time I did? Yeah, you, Bill, you and Bill Maher, it was me, you, Bill Maher. I and did it at the Fillmore, though. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and yeah. and I rem- I don't know if you were on my shooting, but it was around the same time, like ninety mm-hmm. five. What? Well, it was a little earlier for me. Right, you were yeah. the ones before before me. you guys. Right. So, like, because I remember seeing that, 
and just I never forget that that's special of yours. Mm-hmm. Because like I was watching you and 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 you looked like you were furious, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you know what's so funny? <laughs> when I look back at my at my uh, you know earlier stuff, like yeah. I hardly ever like if it comes on or somebody yeah. mentions it, um, it was really because I, I, I came out of a different experience. Yeah. So like I, I worked really you know the, the Chitlin Circus. So you would be working these nightclubs. But where'd you start? Here in Los Angeles. But well, you grew up here. I grew See, up I here. See, I didn't. I didn't even know that. I grew up here until this morning. Yeah, I grew up here. And so when I when I want we you do joints like the Page Four, or the Total Experience, or the Regency West. So they were really just these fucking nightclubs here that had the clean drinks or whatever. Yeah. And so because at that time you had to have the drinks off the floor at. By two o'clock, so at one thirty, yeah, they would let comics go up, and yeah. so you had to shout and shit, and you know, at one thirty, one thirty. So the comics would go to, to get people tail, out to to so that they could clean the drinks up. No shit, they could still stay. They just couldn't have liquor out. They so what part stay. of town did you grow up in? I grew up on one hundred thirty fifth and Avalon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know that neighborhood. It's uh, South Central. It's yeah. like if you hit a motherfucker, from, if you threw a rock from my house, you hit a nigga that lived in Compton. That's what happened. You, you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So we were in the unincorporated part of Los Angeles. So I lived on this side. That was L.A. and across the street was Compton. What does unincorporated mean? Nobody wants it. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants it. It was called the un- unincorporated. Part. It was like it was Los Angeles. Compton and Gardena. It's like if you go if you look on the map, it's like yeah. Rosecrans and Avalon and uh, you know, across this way is Gardena, across this way is Compton, across Yeah. So it's really it didn't belong to anybody, it's no man's land. So we're like ex- almost exactly the same age, mm-hmm. give or take a few months. Mm-hmm. Born nineteen sixty three. So like you grew up through a lot of shit in that neighborhood. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it didn't it, I don't know that it felt like anything. Well, it, right, it, it didn't it feel just, like it was just like it was just your life. Like when I when I watch movies or read yeah. stuff about it, I go, damn, that was fucked up. I don't know how we made it. How did anybody make it? But <laughs> it didn't ever feel like that with me. It yeah. never felt like, it's not something that I, I'm not overly nostalgic about it, yeah. but I have a lot of pleasant memories. Yeah. But did, do you remember it like at any point getting bad or scary or fucked it up? It was never scary to me when I was living there. When you were little? When I was, when I was living there, but when I got married, like I got married at like 21, uh-huh. 20 years Still old. married to the same oh, person? Yeah, I still am. And when I would go back, because you know, they, you were in it, so yeah. I would go back like with my, and I was like, shit, this is pretty goddamn scary. <laughs> so yeah. it would, it would once that like, like, like that, the tether broke and you had seen other things. Right. Because you have, I had virtually nothing to compare it to. Yeah, how long did you stay there? Like your whole childhood? Yeah, yeah, stayed there my whole childhood. Well, and then I, I left when I was like seventeen. So, what was the family situation? How many brothers? I have, and uh, I have uh, two sisters and one brother. Um, and your uh, folks still around? My old man just went about uh, a month and a half ago. Which really? Is, yes, and it was. You know, it's funny because good run. Yeah, it's a good run. Yeah, you know, you, that's what I told myself because I'm, I'm like, I, I like to think I'm a pretty pragmatic guy. Uh, but it was it was rougher than I thought it would be. Like, yeah. Oh, them, of course. I yeah. Mean. I was like, I, I I thought, hey man, I've seen a lot of shit and yeah. he's had a good run. How old was he? Eighty uh, four. Yeah. Eighty four. But when you're old man, like women say dumb. Like I don't think they that intentionally, but they have a different motivation. Like they, you should be there. Right. When he he'll know you yeah, there. Yeah, he yeah. didn't. He didn't know it there. He didn't <laughs> because he was. Just, he he didn't know. He, he, but it was so funny because we. What did he have? He had uh, stage four lung cancer. So it was that whole. That, that was a horrible thing to. Yeah. 
but it was he didn't know because he was on morphine he was on everything like yeah but there was you know there was the most the best moments i've ever had with my father was when he was on oxygen and couldn't talk back <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing the shit you can get off your chest when a motherfucker can't say nothing back <laughs> did you <laughs> yes did you get some shit i got off? you know how much i loved him and how oh, much yeah. and i just i wish he'd let me be close to him and yeah takes his mask off and he says uh, you know I just wasn't from that generation was, he was lucid and he said yeah. I wasn't from that generation I'm amazed at how much you've accomplished and I, oh. I, I'm not I, he said I'm just so proud of you oh, boy. and then my brother walked in and go wait a minute I was talking to that motherfucker who are you <laughs> 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 but it was because we came from a very like religious family like I don't think I think black people are scared not to believe in God like, 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 because they go, we been, we, we believe in God, and look how shittily we treated now. What if we didn't believe in him? Well, that's right. I, I mean, I think, uh, you, you know, I, I imagine that's what religion is for. It's what it's used for. Yeah. Do you, are you, do you go to church now? No. I mean, it was always weird to me because the same people that gave you Jesus gave you nigga. So it wasn't really like. <laughs> <laughs> Way back, right? They're like, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't right. know, like, 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 it's just even the story that you hear about don't make sense. Like, if you like, oh, Santa gives you which what, what do you want, little slave boy? My mother back. Yeah. I'd like my mother back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like my mother back. And my father to have his foot back. So yeah. you couldn't. So my father is and my real name, please. <laughs> right, and my real name and some semblance of where I came from. Yeah, That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, twenty three and me before it happened. Yeah, right. So uh, they, and the in the end, you know. Cause, Cause, I think one of the the great things about religion is that you get to bullshit yourself. You you get to bullshit I know, yourself. I know, I know. I talk and, about it a lot lately. And I have like the, I, I, that's probably why I'm not. Cause like I have, I, I have a diminished capacity of of the ability to bullshit myself. So they are taught. My father has just left. We all had to be in there. With yeah. Me. Cause it was weird. Cause my father. My mother's been trying to kill my father for fifty-eight years. So I yeah. didn't think. Slowly, I, I thought he was. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> he made it. He made it this long. Yeah, I thought like she wouldn't be sad, but like we, she calls. She she calls us. Oh, they're that. not together. Yeah, they were together. Oh, they were. They're, yeah, or as much as you could be together when you're trying to kill somebody. Yeah. Like they don't have a love like a Valentine's Day. They have a happy toleration day card. But always, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they ever. It was. It's just so weird the things you find out about your family as they get older. As it, yeah, and the end is near, and how kind they are. Oh my god, my, did, my, my dad tells me shit. I'm like, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't I, think I. I, I could, don't need to. I can live without this. <laughs> yeah. But she, he was dying. She goes, mm. "Come on in, your father's getting ready to go." Mm. And she tells him, she said. Charlie, you don't have to wait. You've done your job. I got it from here. And that motherfucker took two breaths and died. I said, God. Well, your mother said I got to go, so I'm... I said, this dude died on command. What type of shit is that? He listens to her. <laughs> he listens. So, so when uh, everybody's in the room and they're all very religious and they go to church and they believe and yeah. they're like, we're going to see you again, daddy. Oh, so yeah. when they all walked out, I went, hey, man, you know this is it for us. <laughs> we're going in different directions. You going up, I'm going down. But I'm going to miss you, motherfucker. I I swear. We go in a different direction. We'll never see each other. Uh, I've never seen anyone die. Yeah. Oh, man. Don't. Don't. Was that the first time? The first time that way. Yeah. Not the first time, you know, in life, but the first time that way. You saw other people die? Oh, yeah. Where, on the streets? I saw two people die when I was a kid. Yeah? One had a motorcycle accident, a mini bike. You remember those little mini bikes? Yeah, sure. He slapped The one they shouldn't have given us? Right, the one that they they would never allow to happen now. No way. We can't even have those fucking scooters. No way. I see grown-ups on those scooters. Yeah. You're going to break, man. We're breakable. Don't think that you can do that shit. And cities rent them now. All over the place. Yeah, yeah. So this kid was on a uh, mini bike, and he hit a wall, and his brain came out. No, come on, man. I'm not even, like, Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> we were kids, and then I watched a kid named Bradley get shot. That oh, was yeah. the two How, times. A kid you knew? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. It when was, you were older? He was little. No, I was in the seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. So he was in the ninth or tenth grade. Oh, and he got shot in some he, bullshit? He got shot some. He was a Boy Scout. And so these cats from my neighborhood That's had got a to a he- heavy Boy Scout. Yeah. They're armed in your neighborhood? But, but he was <laughs> yeah. he was like one of those kids, like every neighborhood, no matter how rough, has a kid that that has a different light. Good kid. Yeah, he was a good, like he wasn't, he didn't yeah. succumb to the, yeah. so he did all the shit that you were supposed to do, like right. a wee below and a Boy oh, Scout. Oh yeah, went all through bullshit. it. Cub Scout, Boy mm-hmm. Scout, he was wee below, that. and uh, mm-hmm. isn't there another one? Eagle Scout. Eagle, like Eagle, Eagle, yeah. So he believed in he had all, all the outfits. Yeah, he had them all. <laughs> and he got and, and and he was here's the thing about a dude like that. He was conscientious, but he was so cool everybody dug him. Yeah. So like people didn't yeah. think he was a dick. And or, some yeah. one fucker just killed him? Well, these dudes had gotten to it with some other dudes from another neighborhood. Yeah. And when they drove up, the fight had happened on a weekend. And when they drove up, they knew and ran. And he's like, I ain't in this shit. Yeah. And they shot him. They, on purpose. Uh, yeah, it was. A, it was a one of the. It was. It was uh. the first time, I I I conceptualized how you could hate somebody, um, just from a different neighborhood. Like that notion made me hate those cats from those neighborhood. And, you know, and I, it's something you would never do now because you're older and you have a continuing. But our, our politics is driven by it now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's, it's the same it really shit. Is. It really is. This tribal shit. Yep. The Hatfields and the McCoys all over. Yeah, and, and it's it's so shallow and fu- I can't like. I mean, I I know you 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 you're you're in it a lot, but like, you, so you were able to stay out of trouble when you were. No, kid? I got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I did all the time. I got I never graduated from high school. I you know, I, I got kicked out of I got kicked out of Gardena High. Went to Lock High. Yeah, kicked out of there in a week. Went to seven, for what fighting? Oh, seven really? Weed, you know, trying to be trying to be. Uh, you know, I I never. I always I didn't have a romantic notion of the way uh, of the cats I grew up with, and I don't have a romanticized notion of them like I I said earlier. But they taught me a lot about the world, even though it was a very small piece of the world, and and a, and a lot about who I am and what I could be. And, yeah. and but I remember <clears throat> I would do all the shit they did, but I felt so bad for them. Oh really? I did. I was like, did you feel guilty though? I didn't feel guilty, but I felt bad for them because. I don't, I couldn't I couldn't articulate it then, but I just knew something was different about me. Yeah, like they had girls and money and respect. And yeah, they could do what they wanted to do. And but you saw that it was like empty, or that it wasn't all that it was. I don't know that I would say that because that's a little more in, introspective than I would have yeah. been. But I felt years later I would realize I knew it wasn't. I was I was being disingenuous. That I it was that was it wasn't it wasn't you. It wasn't who I was, and the fact that. That was who they were. Yeah, made me feel bad for them. Interesting. They weren't. They weren't pretending. That was it. This was. It, this is the best it's ever going to be for them. But do you think that you were maybe because like you know we're comics and you're you're obviously a smart guy that there's a sensitivity uh, and a, and a capacity for for empathy you, you know that happens at a young age and you know either we can handle it or we can't either mm-hmm. we get we get defensive or we don't but there there's something like I'm I'm just trying to picture because I knew guys that you wanted to hang with. But you, you knew that, like you weren't one of them. Yeah, because like, but you didn't quite know what you it's, were. I would, I would, I would have to say that's a closer, that's a close approximation because they, I, lo- I love them. Yeah, and I thought yeah. they were cool. Right. Yeah, and I didn't. 
I didn't think I was like I didn't feel superior, right? But I felt they gave sorry. you they right, but but they gave you definition right. too, right? Because you always like I remember hanging out with badass dudes because sort of like you know I, I wasn't a pussy, but right. but you know I wasn't doing that, right? And they had a certain amount of confidence or a certain amount of cool, right? And they were like, "Come on, come with us." Right. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, right? Do I have to get new shoes?" <laughs> but they never, you know. But one thing I will say, yeah, they let me do some shit, but yeah. it was some shit they knew I wouldn't couldn't do. Yeah. Like it was some shit. Like when they went to go do dirt, it's like I couldn't go. What's that? Like if they went to go hurt somebody, oh. I went to go do right. some, you know, some shit that it too, was heavy. It, your heart wasn't that way. They, 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 and, and, and I didn't know that. And so when you when, when you have this, and I didn't know that, but yeah. they did know it. So right. I guess I would say that as much as I knew about them, they knew about me. And when I hear, when I watch these, um, you know, if you if you hear the popularized notion of, of, of neighborhoods like that all across the yeah. country... Um, they, they, they have reduced it to little more than animals who are scraping by to right. survive. And, sure. and, and it really, I think that they have uh, cheated themselves out of uh, out of really great stories and really great uh, touchstones and really great opportunities to know a lot about human behavior. How you mean how the media and white culture represents yes, it? Yes. Right. Well, and, then, and I'm not saying it doesn't. It doesn't have. You know, obviously, it's, it's a lot of it is rooted in, in whatever. Right. Well, the interesting thing, can, yeah, a, a small a, a part of the reality. The story you don't hear is is how those communities survive. Right. And how they, they people still live and exist and right. are safe in those communities right. is because the communities take care of themselves. Right. right. That there's you know, all these things put into place by the fucking community right. to try to save some people. Right. And and it's it's a like I say this. And I literally mean the most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's imaginations. <laughs> because, is that yours? Yeah, it's absolutely mine. The most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's That's imagination. Great. And it's because even statistically, the people, society, these yeah. notions of us, they're bigger, stronger, faster, more impervious to pain, less moral, yeah. more amoral, more more brutal. Right. And um, even worse now, right. culturally. Right. Yeah. And so when you have that notion of, like, I hope I never meet I ho- never hope I never meet the black man that exists in their imagination. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I never do. Right. Like, like, so. Just but, a monster. It, he's it, and, that, and that's all they do. And all they want to do is fuck their women and, and, and rob them and put strain. It's, 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 but everywhere we live, we had to live. Yeah. I was watching this thing on, uh, and I forgot it was National Geographic. You never, you're, you're not even trying to watch yeah, something, some yeah. shit come on, you go, yeah, God yeah, damn, okay. that tiger looks hungry. Yeah, and you start yeah. watching. Oh, them. I watch, all, I, I, I used to love doing that. I used to love just turning the TV on, flipping around, going, oh, what the oh, fuck I see is what the, right. So they had this thing called the Tiger Widows of, so it was these tigers that fed off these, the women would go get bamboo or yeah, wood yeah. or, yeah. you know, they did, they, and everybody would go, why did they leave? Why didn't they leave? And it was because they couldn't. And that's really the same situation. A lot of people, people live where they have to live. Yeah. And everywhere we live is because somebody told us we had, in large numbers, whether you're black, brown, or whatever, yeah. in large numbers society, and policemen don't exist to keep us safe. They exist to keep us where we belong. Where you live. Yeah, Stay where you, where you belong. belong. Right. And that's the, the unincorporated that's, part. It, it is. It is. And that's also where I, I imagine Jesus comes in on some level is that the uh, I imagine a lot of community outreach has to happen through the churches and through. But it's always it's always been like I used to get in trouble because black people by and large, or yeah. people of color by and large, yeah. have a pretty fervent belief yeah. in religion. Yeah. But white people do too, yeah. except they can have heaven while they're here. Yeah. <laughs> 
they're doing okay. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> die before we see Jesus. The only evidence I can see of Jesus is the idea uh, that people tell me, like, I'm alive and look what happened. I mean, like that. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. It's not coincidence. Right. It's because yeah, Jesus yeah, did it. I'm yeah, like, I don't yeah, know. Like, if we really broke down the math, right. it does seem like it could <laughs> be a coincidence. I'm pretty sure Jesus has never been to where I live. Like, he, like I'm, I'm. I mean, I would like. Like everywhere we live in large numbers, there's very little evidence of Jesus except for churches. Yeah, but there's a, like there's no like it's dirtier, it's vi- more violent, right. it's more right. Well, violent, that's so. what I mean. Well, that that's a you know the same place that the the horrible image of the uh, of the black man lives in the white people's minds. I mean, yeah. Jesus lives in the mind. That's yeah. So it, it's pretty crowded. It's yeah. got to be pretty crowded. <laughs> like like and, and now one a great thing about now like being a comic and. Mm. Like this whole Nike thing. Yeah. I think Nike and Obama occupy the same place in a lot of white men's mind mm-hmm. because Nike needs niggas to live. Like yeah. they don't. They don't need a forty-year-old white dude. <laughs> they don't. They really don't. You're obsolete to them. You don't matter to them. Yeah. <laughs> they got. They got people. They got. They're, they're a global company. Yeah. And most of the people who either buy their products <laughs> or look up to people who buy their products yeah. are black or brown. Right. Yeah, like you don't know a white. They put dude. them on the map. That's they put them on the map and they, and they sustain them. Yeah, like you don't know a dude. Yeah. The only white athlete you know with a shoe deal is Tom Brady, and he wear Uggs. Yeah, <laughs> and black people ain't waiting in the mall for the brand new Ugg to come out. It's true, and Nike's been doing that forever. forever. And and Nike's they like, make special shoes yes, for black people, yes, and they they'll do. make three of the same kind. Exactly, and everybody sees them. Yeah, because when you when you are, Nike is the, the purveyors of culture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and generally people who wear those shoes and espouse this kind of vantage point are people who are probably civilly they're pretty active. They're yeah. pretty. They probably they have a civil kind of core that runs. Through. Yeah. So follow you know, follow through the idea that Obama and Nike hold and, well, the same well, Nike, well, uh, Nike doesn't need white people to. Right. They didn't need. He, he didn't. Need, they didn't need their consent. Yeah. Or acceptance yeah. or or participation. Right. And neither did Obama. Obama won the presidency without with the majority of white people going. Yeah. We don't want you here. Yeah. Right. And I think that those things remind them that they're not the only game in town, and it, it irks them. They when when white men say this shouldn't happen, yeah. generally that's what happens. Right. Yeah. But in with Nike and Obama, they're like, and th- those things are too recent um, notions that they've had to come to grips with. Now, like, but you, like, like just re- going off that recent news. I mean, what kind of fucking person is going to you know burn some shoes? Yeah. I mean, like, like I mean, you must be shocked. Maybe you you aren't, but it's like, how many of them are there? I mean, like, the one thing is, if we get through this shit, whatever the fuck we're going through right now, uh-huh. if we come out the other side, we're gonna know exactly who those they, people right, are. But we always did. You always. We did. always. Did. No, no, I'm talking about in general. We yeah. always knew they get to pretend like they're not that way. Here's the thing: Why do hateful people always burn shit? Like, <laughs> if, if it's a flag or shoes on either side, all right? Why, why do they, y'all burn? What right. the fuck is the what's the protesting burning shit up? But I, I just think that mostly what I see is a spirit of fear, which is whether no matter what you call it, yeah, you could call it anger. You could call it. It's a spirit of fear. Is that that this place that we've always staked out that was always solely ours is not anymore? Like America, America is is getting blacker and browner and fatter, sure. and higher. 
I do a joke on stage. I, I brought it back recently because my producer reminds me, reminded me of it. And it's kind of a hard thing to take. I don't even know it's a joke, but I used to say the, the fear really at the core of racism is that they know in their hearts and in their minds that it only takes one brown load to make white black. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no unblacking white. It is. <laughs> and you know, and we're getting like now. Yeah. People are marrying each other and having yeah. people in their families yeah, and, and accepting it, and, and and really accepting it. And it really, it really does take acceptance because, and but acceptance not in the way that society says I should, but acceptance to me means I'm familiar with you, I ate with you, right? We, right. we, we, we had the same grandmother, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. we had the same arguments. Well, that was the weird thing about what really came down after Obama was that what the one part of democracy that was too big of a burden for these people was tolerance. Yeah. Like it was just like, finally, yeah. we get the relief right. that we didn't have to tolerate. Right. It, but there's no way democracy moves forward without it and, and it, without tolerance. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I know like what I don't understand it's I understand it. I don't know why I'm saying it like, you know, it's all a shock to me. But you go to New York or you walk around here, but mostly New York, maybe a little bit of Chicago, but New York for sure, where, you know, it is a very diverse Town. It is. I mean, at least but the, very on, segregated. I know, too. but I mean, on the working level. Yes. Like day to day in yes. the city, people work, and you walk around, you see, and everybody. You're on the train, and nobody. It, it that's it works. Right. And these people that and are, it doesn't seem like it should, but it does. It does. And then these people that are all up in arms about Mexicans and black people, they don't even have them in their fucking right. neighborhood. Right. Not even in their city. Right. Right. So that's the fear part. I mean, with the, like you guys are coming for them. I, I think <laughs> that the. I think there are a couple of things. I think you're absolutely right about that. But there, are, there is this notion of people being afraid of of all the horrible things that, that have been done to people like that. Yeah. They're afraid of vengeance, too. They're afraid that... Oh, that's right. If I, what if these motherfuckers get me back? What if, what if they... Because you don't... The one thing I will say about these specific times, and I don't care where I you... Eddie like to, you, 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 you're... you're, you're the reason where when something happens, yeah. they pretend like they don't see it. Like they get to pretend yeah. like they don't know Donald Trump is racist. They get to pretend like they don't know some right. policemen can be brutal. Because if they did acknowledge it, they'd be compelled to do something about it, or or, or deny it and live with that cancer in That's their right. soul. That's right. Which I think a lot of them do. That's right. And so, with a component of re- the realization of yeah. things, is also if you know what things really are, then uh-huh. you also know. The other side of the coin is that what if people uh, exact revenge for that? Well, yeah, I mean, I just went to the, uh, you know, I was down in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and I went to that, the the monument, the the big lynching Mm -hmm. monument, and then I went to the museum in Montgomery. Uh And that was an issue that, that's always been there, is that, you know, by the time, at slavery at its peak, they they were way out in them, yeah. And then you know, once it, it it was ended, they were just sort of like, okay, right. just just go. Right. They knew all the time that at any point, right. Which is why all that terrorism happened, all right. the lynchings happened, as an example. But they were completely outgunned, mm-hmm. and I think they still that's still the thing. It's not it's not so much. I mean, they they probably regret slavery on some level, but they're still afraid of the repercussions. I think the only now, I think that human beings, some yeah. people. Are, I think they regret slavery, but the reason most of them regret slavery is because we're still here. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have a return plan. Right. They didn't didn't, didn't have a return to sender plan. Just like the kids that they're stealing from these parents. Right, right. They they didn't didn't run any names down. (laughs) Right, right. No cities. Right. No ships wanted to take them. Right, right, right. But it's so, like, even now, like, 
it's it's funny how America loses perspective constantly in matters like this. Like, really, I don't know how different Colin Kaepernick is from Muhammad Ali, uh-huh. and we still have never learned from that. Or Rosa Parks. Or any, I'm not. I'm not talking about his vocation. Yeah. I'm talking about his stance and what it cost him, and how it galvanized the community, and how it raised awareness. He's going to be more famous for the thing that he stood for than for throwing than he ever could for throwing a ball. And it's, it's, it's that whole thing. And the and and the, and the other thing. Do you is, feel like he has galvanized the community? I I, I feel like he has. F- it's so funny because now, now we're start ha- talking like a white guy. We're having- I mean, how are you guys doing? <laughs> he's, 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 he's. People got mad because Colin Kaepernick's. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you playing football? Yeah. This is America's. Why? 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 Yeah. We can But the only time white people ever listen to us is when we're running, jumping. Dancing or sing. Mm-hmm. So the only time white people sit around and watch black people mm-hmm. is if they're doing something to entertain them. So yeah. it makes perfect sense if you want to get their attention, yeah. do it while they're. But even, even beyond that, one of the things that society seems to do is go, well, that black person is successful. So he's not, he doesn't get to have that conversation anymore. He doesn't get to say. Right. But he's not regular he's black. Not, he's right. one of us. He's, he's, he's kind of one of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, if you look at football players, a lot of people, why are they protesting police brutality? They're rich. But if you look at the, the physical attributes, the very physical attributes that get you drafted in the NFL as yeah. a black man, being big, black, fast, strong, aggressive, impervious to pain. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, those very physical attributes that get you drafted in the NFL, get yeah. you killed when you're on, off that field. Right. If you have it on a draft report, you're high. Yeah. You go high on the draft. Yeah. If you have it on a police report, it's the reason the grand jury quits. They right. go, well, shit, look at all this. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. We had to shoot that nigga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't on the field. <laughs> right, 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 right. He was doing that shit just in the right, town. Right, in the city. Right, right, was, right, right. If that was between the hash marks. We yeah, we had no problem. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we didn't know what he had in his hand. It wasn't a ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when you were a kid, you know, and hanging out with these guys, like getting back to that idea, that I think that was kind of sweet that they knew you couldn't handle it and they didn't want you to get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Those I, guys. They didn't. Yeah, they were hard and you they, were like, they, they, I wasn't. Fuck that guy. I up. wasn't. Like I, I remember they had, uh, they were beating this kid. No. They were beating him so bad. I go, hey man, I go, and I was I was a kid. Yeah, and I go, hey, that's do we stop? <laughs> and he said, Enough. hey, look here, man, this is the way this shit goes. Uh-huh. And uh, take your ass home. And and another time that landed right. Yeah, because it wasn't. <laughs> it was not. It was the. You know, I knew they had patience for me, but at a certain point, hey, motherfucker, right. yeah, all right now, yeah, now, now you're playing. <laughs> what's the right? What's right. the grown ups? Right. <laughs> beat the shit out of back this on the porch. <laughs> Don't don't try to run with the big dogs. We we you know we we defer to your little bullshit difference, yeah. but that's enough. We always see that dynamic in uh, in that great Singleton movie. What the one was the one with Boys in Hood? No, the other one. Mama, uh, the boy, baby boy, baby boy. Yeah, oh, Tyrese, man. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a fucking yeah, great movie. Yeah, yeah. That I, like I talk about that movie. I yeah. want to talk to him because I think that movie's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Of course, a bunch of times. Jo- I mean, Jody, I, yeah, Jody, Tari- Taraji, yeah. Snoop, all yeah. of it. Yeah, but like that dynamic Dang. that you know they they looked out for him. Yeah, they knew. That, he, wasn't, you know, he wasn't one of them. Yeah, and 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 it's like you were lucky to be that guy. Yeah, you're you're lucky to have their favor and their favor. Like you're lucky to have them see something redemptive in you mm. that they didn't try to exploit. Yeah, because as as great as they could be to somebody, 
that thing right. could be exploited. It could yeah. be exploited physically. It could be exploited emotionally. It yeah. could be exploited But sexually. they knew, like, some guys, for whatever reason, whether it was parenting or just the nature of who they were, they have that ability to right. be that dude. And, mm-hmm. and there were dudes that would protect you from dudes who weren't like that. Yeah. Like it, it, like this, the, 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 you know, it's not, it's not a mic, it's not, it's not one, uh, you know, monolith. It's yeah. a lot of, and so there were dudes who would rob you or try to do yeah. whatever they could do, and yeah. it was dudes who stopped them from doing that, right? Because they believe, you know, yeah. Some people just like fuck it, we he here, yeah. and, and we're gonna try to take advantage of him. <laughs> and it's just you, you look back at it, and you realize how, and it's one of the reasons I still believe in some kind of higher, higher power because I don't believe you can navigate all that bullshit uh-huh. just on your own uh-huh. with your own wherewithal. So it's one of the reasons I gotta say that maybe there's something out there that is functioning past me. Right. I, and I've seen that at least to some degree in my personal life. Oh yeah? I mean, like, I ain't going to church. Just, just, like right, but no, just your ability to make it through and 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 not and, and hold on to your heart somehow and your and your and and your empathy and your compassion and your right i remember feeling bad uh what was it i was i, I can't even remember how old i was i was coming home and these cats they older cats because mm. i used to like to be on the older dude, yeah because that was all what all the shit was right it yeah. was always so they hey come here you want to see this we got this girl and she's we're running a train on her she's and i was like what it's like I, yeah. I didn't so I go see and they had this girl and they were and I was like hey man I don't I don't think she's with it I don't I, I, yeah. I don't even remember how I said it but I said that, that and I said that's a, that's not I didn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have known what rape was I right. wouldn't have known what sex was I wouldn't have known how, how to you? articulate I had to be 10 like yeah. 12 right 13. and these are kids around that age no they were oh, oh, older yeah. and she was older yeah. and uh and uh, uh but I you said, felt it it was wrong I knew it was wrong yeah and I knew and here's the funny thing about it is, I said that she doesn't want to do this. Yeah. And I and I was smaller than yeah. them, and I wasn't as tough as them, and I was afraid of them. Yeah. But I said, get your stuff, come on. To the girl. And she got her stuff, and they didn't let me do it out of sense of fear, and they didn't let me do it out of sense of intimidation that I would tell, yeah. or that they they could they that I would do something physical. They let me do it because I saw them and they were ashamed that I had. Yeah, it was shame they did that. Thing. Yeah, they knew they so were they, wrong. They, they knew, but none, no one around them, they knew they were wrong. Yeah, and they would hit, they hit me and say, "Go home," and like, but not beat me up, but just like right, slap right, me around. Right. They had to make a uh, like, a, yeah, that. A and but they let me take her pose, and she, I walked her all the way home. Wow. And 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 so uh, they're all. She these, thank you. She. This is funny. So Mark would get her home. She yeah. in a different neighborhood. Yeah. Had to walk past. And her brother sees his sister all, you know, disheveled and yeah. torn up, starts chasing me around with a knife. And she didn't say anything for a while. <laughs> and finally she goes, it wasn't him. He helped me. He helped me. He helped me. Oh, no. <laughs> so he said, either you tell me who did it yeah. or I'm going to cut you. And I said, man, I live. I can't. These, I live with them. Yeah. I can't. He said, well, I'm going to cut you. And I closed my eyes and he didn't cut me. And he slapped me. <laughs> so I got beat up by him and I got beat up. <laughs> he slapped me all the way back to my like just kept slapping me in the back of my head and kicking me in my you know this kid yeah, just yeah, doing because you're a kid yeah right? but just like yeah and then so I get back to my neighborhood and they kind of not talking to yeah. me and then weeks later I'm at the, the this place called Smitty's Liquor Store we all hung out there yeah and I see the motherfucker who and he and he gets into his car and said thanks nigga and goes because I I helped his her sister. brother 
Yep. Yeah. He didn't say he wasn't nice. Yeah. He goes, thanks again. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was it. That's all you got. That's enough. That's all I got out. Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't go to the, the, your, the guys who live in your neighborhood. They were still mad at me. Right. But you couldn't say, like, you don't know what I did. Right, no. I, 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 I couldn't say that. No. It was, and it was, it, but I'm actually, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. The, the moment of something bigger than you. That's one of those moments yeah. where you get the, the courage to do that yeah. in that moment. Yeah. To, you know, see something's wrong in a real way mm-hmm. and step in. And I was hor- I was so afraid that my mouth tastes like pennies. That was the first time, like the only time, like I would, I read a story one time and it talked about the brass taste of fear and I went, that's what that is. Really? Yep. That's how I knew it. It's yeah. real. It was, man, it, it, my mouth was dry and it tasted like pennies and I so, was horrified. And so that was enough for you. You didn't, you didn't have to get... You know, you never crossed any other sort of moral lines. I've crossed a lot of moral lines. I shouldn't, you know. Right. I, I've crossed a lot of moral lines, but I, this is weird to say, but not many that I haven't. Uh, I, I don't pretend like I don't know what they are, and mm-hmm. I don't pretend I, I don't give myself a break for them. Like more in my marriage, right? And uh, some of the things I've done. But you never killed a dude. No. Right. No, <laughs> you have a pretty low bar. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I mean, the other stuff you can rationalize. Yeah, fuck my wife's sister, but I didn't kill nobody. No, I didn't actually. Do that. <laughs> I didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there are some things that, like we were talking about before, whatever they were insulating you from, there are some things that break a spirit that you know will either crush a person or make them hard beyond redemption. Right. And a lot of those cats. Though I love them, and that I learned a lot from them, they were, they were, they were. I've met four dudes in my neighborhood. I say yeah. that without, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist right. or a psychiatrist, right? But they were sociopaths. Sure, yeah, yeah. And they, they like me, so it was cool. But they were sociopaths, right? Because something broke in them where conscience was not. They, 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 they couldn't entertain it. Yeah, they just didn't get it. They just oh, from the get go, they just they never. Were actually, they, they were, were just, always different. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, man, what the fuck is wrong with you? How do you think that's okay? Like, it, they were always, from the time we were kids. I wonder about that, 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 that sort of, uh, like now because of social media platforms and also because of this president, that it's sort of unleashed a type of, uh, you know, if there's some narcissists out there yeah. who, are, who are like malignant, fucked up people right. and they've got any juice at all, it's their time. It is, man. It's vampires walking the earth in the daylight. But they it's just like, if you daylight, look at, yeah. like, you look at Trump, Roseanne, Kanye, yeah. there's like an arc there. Yeah. There's something that's running through. Yeah. That's and and in all and all of them, the, and and I, I I would say that every person I know have that is is him is they have this malignancy in yeah. them, and it's so obvious. Yeah. Now you can mask it with a level of genius, sure, or charm, or like yeah, yeah. yeah. You can ma- you know, and, right? Or, and, but but when it's naked and you see it for it's itself, there's like I like I I, I loved Kanye. I can't yeah. stand him now. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I can't. You mean you've gotten past to like? Well, he's mentally ill. No, because black people will do that. Everybody yeah. go. Every, see, this was if you make an album good enough for us. Yeah, we will make excuses for you. That's how bad we need to feel good. Right. They're like, you know, that ain't gave me right since his mama died. Yeah. You know, we made excuses for R. Kelly. I mean, I know he peed on that girl, but if you're gonna pee on somebody, this is the album you need to do it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Bill Cosby raped those people, but what he gave us Jello. So yeah, we, yeah. But we had they didn't let him off the hook. No, it they took did. a long time. It took a long time. Yeah. But for but for 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 P 
people like that, that the reason that they spark to him, that he's like that moth to the flame kind yeah, of thing, right. is because they internally have the same kind of failings and malignancy yeah. and darkness that he yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Roseanne with the whole Ambien thing. And I'm like, that was a that was Ambien a, makes you sleepy, not hate niggas. I don't, yeah, I never saw yeah. that. What is that all about? Well, she like that's the thing. Knowing from a, having a narcissistic and a narcissistic father, like when you corner them, they got no way out but right. fuck you, right? Like, and you know they'll make all the excuses, but if they're down for the count, they're not just going to go down. Right. No, no, they're going to take some. It, 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 yeah, you don't know what the fuck's like the happen. whole thing. I didn't, I didn't know that ape was. Mm-hmm. You called Susan Rice an ape earlier. Yeah. You said you, and then you value you, you. So you yeah. you can't pretend, but the, it's not even them. Yeah, I, we've had people like them. Yeah, you know, and throughout history. Yeah, what we have intended to have is so many people like them with voices and power who are letting them run unobstructed well no yeah we we have we always had them but they didn't have a twitter account yeah they, they, didn't, have, <laughs> they didn't have a way to just you know cause trouble to sync up cause international yeah. trouble right. you know you're saying one thing right. so when when you started doing comedy how old were you oh 21 yeah, and wait, wait. So you dropped out of school, you and you like uh-huh. were were you headed in a bad direction? I, I, I was, you know. Here's the thing: I dropped. I just was dumb. Yeah. So I, I, I actually, not dumb. But see, but I, I, I would have never, I would have never thought that I wasn't. Yeah. Giving, given, then when you have these experiences that you you process things a different way. Yeah. But it was a frustrating process for me, so I, I just stopped going, and then, um, and then I, you know, I work at the L.A. Times, and I, I get to talk. Yeah. And and, and I start doing comedy. And Were you working at the L.A. Times first. Yeah. Doing what? Selling uh, subscriptions on the phone. Oh. I remember one of my, I remember I called Jay Leno one time. Really? And he all but cussed me out. But did you know it's Jay Leno? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And so. Oh, I, this wasn't when you were selling papers, or it was. I was selling papers. Yeah. And I called Jay Leno, and he was like, "I don't want it." And, and then years later, I would be on his show. Yeah. And I was on the show like 30 times. Yeah. And I would always bring that up and go, I didn't say that, but he always, he did say that to me. But I, I started, and I, you know, I started being away from the environment that I grew up in. Yeah. And I would have to go to work all the time. And I liked being in that environment. Yeah. Because your parents made you work or you oh, yeah, felt oh, like oh, you oh, had oh, to work? Oh, oh no, you're going, you're going. So I like being, <laughs> yeah. a, and I, then I meet my wife and I see her, like I saw her and I knew I would marry where is she from? She's from Los Angeles too. But she went to Car- she lived in Carson uh-huh. where the where, where Incorporated? Where, no, no, Carson's a real city. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Black people who did well moved to Carson yeah. and then Cerritos. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That they was got it. that was the migration. They got uh-huh. the fuck out of LA. <laughs> yeah. But I saw her and then I, yeah, I wanted to uh, I dug her and she didn't dig me and I was pursuing her and then yeah. she finally started going out with me and I didn't have a I didn't have I didn't have any prospects for the future, so I knew that if I passed, uh, if I got a GED, that yeah. I could I could be a cop. And that so, was the plan. Yep. So I said I, I, I took my GED and I got accepted to the LA Police Academy. And then I said, when I get accepted, I'm gonna ask you to marry me. Yeah. And then I got accepted and was out in three days or four days or five days or some shit like that. Why? Uh, I got shin splints, but really I just didn't want to do all that running. Yeah. Really, I just knew I was like this is bullshit. <laughs> I'm not doing this. 
and, and and I didn't have a job, but I had told her if I got accepted that we'd get married. And so she started planning a wedding, so I had to fucking marry her. <laughs> Shins plants. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so then, wait, but what what compelled you to try stand up? Um, it was always uh, like I would always get girls by making them laugh, uh-huh. and I'd always been able to communicate. Like I was, I remember taking a test as a kid, uh-huh. and they said my comprehension, I like I could understand. Yeah. And these white people would come and take you to the library and give you ice cream and ask yeah. you questions and shit. It was <laughs> like weird. And then I would come back and I was like a an animal that had been touched by somebody civil <laughs> Some people think yeah, yeah. they'd be like, Why did you yeah. why'd you go there with them? And then you yeah. Um and so So was the t- this one's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one could They would function. just ask me questions. They would just ask me questions and give me ice cream and hang out. But it was uh, I would so I was like I I did. I could comprehend, and I, I, and I had a pretty good vocabulary. For right, them. and that was that was the thing they said. So, uh, when I started working at the L.A. Times, I would go get my hair cut, and I would always talk shit. I was always that's how I got chicks to dig me, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and these cats said, "Well, if you think you're so funny, because back then cats who were barbers so weed and so boosted shit, yeah. did tax, they did all barbers. Kinds of shit. They but they were the barber shop. <laughs> yeah, they was all kind of shit be coming in the back. Yeah. Like we, I remember going to stacks of VCRs and there. Oh yeah, shit. yeah. <clears throat> so they were giving a concert and they um at the uh, Total Experience on Crenshaw with a group called Blue Magic and Robin Harris and they said, "It's going to ask you about Robin Harris." Yeah, that's the first time I'd ever seen him. And they said, "If you think you're so funny, open." this show and I had never done comedy yeah. I get on my uh, stage and in front of this audience that came to see this group and him and I said this is what I'm supposed to do and I instantly knew that's why I felt sorry for those dudes in my neighborhood I knew I would do this yeah and that was it that was it how'd I'm, you do horrible because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any material right. I, I just I just did you get to know Robin oh yeah Robin never liked me no Robin didn't like me to the last thirty days, last sixty days of his life. Now we did He wasn't sick, so we didn't know he was dying. Right. But uh, he never liked me. Why? Um. One time he said, uh, "Here you are. You gonna have everything I have, and people gonna like you, and you don't." And I said, "Man," and he used to intimidate people, but I never let it. I said, "I'm not scared of you, man." Yeah. And I told him, "Everything you have, I'm gonna have." I just you said I that scared. To him? Yes. And why would you do that in yeah. front of people? It was yeah. the worst. Oh. <laughs> He said that to you. He said it to me, and then I said, I'm yeah. not scared of you, and yeah. I'm going to have everything you have. You're right, I'm going to have everything. But, but it was just a compa- kind of territorial thing, competition. Yeah. And then every time I would walk in, like I would have a guest set at the Comedy Act Theater, yeah. the cl- joint close at 11.30. Yeah. He would do all the way to 11.27 and put me on while people were walking out. And I was still going over and over and over and over. Because he over. was hosting it? Mm-hmm. So that was your guy. That was your nemesis. He wasn't. That was yeah, I, he, I loved and respected yeah. him, but he just wasn't going to. And then, so the last sixty days, right before he died, like yeah. we didn't know he wasn't sick. So right, heart attack. He, right, yeah, and, uh, narcolepsy, heart attack. So he, he started calling me, and then we would start hanging out, and then we would start talking. Oh yeah, and then we got very close. Matter of fact, his only first and only comedy album, Baby's Kids. Baby's I was the one that introduced him. That oh was yeah, me. that's me. Yep. Yeah, he was something else, man. He was. It was like, and, it did, and nobody really knows him. Not in the in, in my no, world. No. He's one of those comics where you're like, how do you know? How, it just it was so young, man. Yeah. He died. He was so young. But he he is the father of modern comedy. Not Richard Pryor, Robin Harris. Yeah, he's the f- not Richard Pryor, Robin Harris. Why? 
Def Jam, uh, all that that whole kind of genesis, that yeah. whole kind of evolution. That, that who are the other guys? Uh, I, I, well, in terms of leading, because what happened was Robin Harris made them come down to the hood to see these th- these things. Oh yeah. So you didn't have to. You didn't have made to, who see white people. The, the, the agents and yeah, managers yeah. and right. They would all talent agents yeah. and development deals yeah. and all that kind of shit. They all he came brought them down. He did. And so, you know, I don't care if Chappelle's or Rock was different because Eddie found him. Yeah. But everybody else, like all those people, the Martins and the Waynes. And right. All that well, Richard's Richard. It's a different time. Yes. So you're saying the next generation revolved around well, Robin doing that, bringing people there's in. There's never been a more uh, popular group of black comics that that are he is the 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 if we were starting a tree yeah they would have all had sprung from that oh not yeah from, like the eddies no they had that we yeah had, but all these people you know now right from the real hood yep in they, a way they, they are yeah because like, eddie's they are not all that. them right they are all from him who are the other guys would be uh i'd say bernie i'd yeah. say cedric i'd yeah. say uh, uh steve i'd uh-huh. say Chappelle. Uh-huh. i'd say martin oh yeah you know yeah uh, uh, chris tucker oh yeah yeah. Eddie Griffin, all oh, the yeah. cats. They, yeah. yeah, they would all be from there. Yeah, Bernie was so good. Man. Yeah, he was. He was. What was your first break? Uh, what, what did I... I remember the first time I ever made $1,000 doing comedy. That's the best, right? With like, Martin Lawrence, I was playing the Rock. What yeah. is that on? It's on Wilshire. What is it? The Roxy? Not the What is it? On um, Wilshire? Oh, the El Rey? Or the it's Rey? the El Rey. Okay. It is, but it wasn't the El Rey then. It, like, it was, like, it's that theater, you mean? Yeah, it yeah, was Is it the El Rey? Because I know there's It's one the El Rey now, but okay. it wasn't. Oh, okay, okay. Um, um, and so I opened for him and he gave me a thousand dollars and I started crying. <laughs> I was like, thanks so much. Yeah. A thousand dollars. And I, I started crying. Great. I called my wife and I go, baby, I got a thousand dollars. Yeah. We're going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> you did. But did, then when did you do great. that HBO thing? Um, you know how I got that HBO special, the one we were talking about earlier? Yeah. I got that. My manager was a cat named Tony Spires. Tony Spires, he held the barrier of black yeah. competition. He managed me. And so they were having those half-hour tryouts. Yeah. And by th- that time, I had worked, and I wasn't working anymore, and I was just trying to be- But you're doing all those clubs that we talked about yeah, earlier. So, and you're, so you're kind of hard, comedy-wise. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I had comedy chopped. Yeah. It just didn't ha- hadn't had yeah. expo. So they, they came out to this place called The Townhouse in, in the hood. Yeah. And they were they were auditioning J. Anthony Brown, yeah, Eddie Griffin, Joe Torrey, and Jamie Foxx, right? Yeah. He said, I can't get you an audition, but I can let you host. Uh-huh. They'll let you host. Yeah. So I would do 10 minutes, bring somebody on, do five spot, minutes, really. bring somebody on, do five more minutes, bring somebody else on. 10 minutes at the end, then I wrapped it up. At the end, they gave me and Eddie Griffin the special. Well, the hosting is a good shot because like, if you do have chops and you go get them, right. Yeah, as opposed to just be scared right. and be someone has right. like a new guy. Right. Then they're like, who's this fucker? Right. <laughs> That's what happened too. <laughs> yeah. And I got it. And I wasn't even excited that I got the special. I was excited because I knew it was 30 grand. Remember, it's 30 grand to get it. Yeah. And yeah. you could keep your benefit. You get, it was for the Right, right. You get the SAG. So my, I, I was, first time you get insurance. Yep. Yeah. So I had, the first time I had it was that one from the LA Times, it was from the. Yeah, and but I remember watching it, and I'm like, you know, I, you were talking about family and stuff, and and it it wasn't it wasn't the material. I was just sort of like, there's something going on. <laughs> I was like, this guy means business. <laughs> yeah, man, you had to be because I, all that all I ever knew was shut the fuck up, pick this drink. I'm like, it was just it was yeah. urgent. Yeah, right. It was a, it was urgent. Right, right, urgent. And then after that, what happened? 
Um, we just started working on the road a little bit. I worked on the road a little bit. Uh, then we got. When uh, did you start hosting on uh, BET? Uh, by, shortly after that. Were you hosting? I was. Host, I was the first Comic host of Comic View. You were the first. I was the very first host. Like, I, like I, I didn't watch it much, but I just remember like talent. Wasn't he one the host forever? I was the very first one. But he hosted it for years, didn't I, he? I, here's how it happened. Yeah. I hosted it for two years. Yeah. I was the first host. I hosted it for two years. The second year, I thought, I want to do something different. Right. And I quit in the middle of a show. And they started saying, we're going to have alternate hosts. Uh-huh. And so then the next one was Cedric. And then they had all that. But I was the host for two years. Was there a guy named Talent or am I making yeah, that Talent up? Yeah, Talent did that. Oh, yeah. But it was way like Oh, oh way he later. Did it way later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way later. Like, I was... Uh, Matter of fact, when I did BET, they only, uh, I don't know if I can know if I can say this because they wouldn't pay me. And so they, you couldn't have a lawyer. Yeah. And they wouldn't let, they, 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 they you couldn't have a lawyer. And if you asked for a lawyer, uh, it, it would be trouble. But you yeah. could go to an arbitrator yeah. in DC. They had all the fucking rules. Yeah. They made a mistake in the contract uh-huh. that said I was supposed to be, be paid X amount of dollars per segment, not per show. Uh huh. But so, but what they did was they would. I, I taped 150 some shows. Oh my! God. And they would cut them up, and it'd be best of uh-huh. this so show. And they, pay so we go. Uh, my a lawyer. My lawyer's name was Aaron Fox. It was the name of the corporation. Uh-huh. They re- no, Aaron Fox. They represent. I don't know if they represent him or me. But we had to go to DC to an yeah. arbitrator. We are sitting there. That's me, my lawyer, their lawyers. And the people from BET. Yeah. And BET makes this argument. And they said, did you let him have a lawyer? And they said, no. They said, but he knew he wasn't getting paid that. I said, I only knew with the contract. I didn't, I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I had no idea. I couldn't have a lawyer. Yeah. So I, ha- I had a litigate. I had a, what a litigator, but uh-huh. I didn't have a lawyer. I, I couldn't have an entertainment lawyer. Right. Look it over. The lawyer, the, the arbitrator looks down and said, you, he, you, you, you had representation BET? And they said, yes. He said, you didn't. I said, no. They said, pay him. And the dude started crying right there. The thing, and I said, "Did we win?" <laughs> they had to pay me all this money for, and for segments, for residuals. segments, for segments. And it was like six segments a show, right? And for they, three years, they fucked up the language they, of the contract. They, yep, <laughs> they did. <laughs> they didn't expect and, and, anybody would call them on. Well, it. I wouldn't have because I couldn't read. Like I, I like I wasn't like. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have. We couldn't read that shit. Yeah, anyway. I didn't know what the fuck that was. Right, and boy, I know this that he started crying when they had to pay it. The the BET guy, all the executive, he got fired. Everything. Shit, <laughs> his name was Curtis. I won't say his last name, but he sure did get fired. He started crying in there. I was like, why is he crying? <laughs> he don't have to write the check, but he wrote the contract. Funny man. And then after that, so when did you start touring with the Kings of Comedy? Is that a long time um, after? A that? long time after that. So we did, uh, we did that. We did but you did view. BET, but when? And then you're touring because I mean you were a big act, right? Well, we did, we did uh, BET. We did a uh, half hour. Uh, we did another half. Hour. I did this thing called Devil Rush that was uh, with Bobby Pastorelli and it uh-huh. was Diane English show. That really didn't take. But I got. I started making money on the road, so I moved from the inner city yeah. into the valley. Yeah. And that's how the Hughleys came about, because I had white neighbors for the very first time. So in when my you life. toured, though, at that time, because like someone like Bernie, man, if you listen to Bernie's first stuff, I mean, that was for black audiences. Yeah, there was period. no question. Period. So, like, a lot of you guys, and I imagine it still happens, is that it was almost all black audience. Yes. But that's a big audience. It was a very see. But back then, a mat is it's still a pretty good sized audience. But now they have so many more options. Right. It was like 
we were back when they had the TV but with three channels and we were on one yeah. of the channels. Right. So it was us and white people in Mexico. That was all you <laughs> right, had. Right. And so uh, we were a big, big act. But I, it came about, I was on the Hughleys. They had gone out and done a modified version of that. Bernie and Sid and Steve, and they were playing theaters. It was okay, but they wanted to move up to arenas. But you had the Hughleys. I had the you Hughleys. Got, that was on for, like, that was one of those Five things minutes. I remember, right. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where you got moved off a network, and then they got you another network. Yeah, uh, yep, UPN. Sure did. And that was fucking crazy, it right? Was. You thought you were done. Yep. I, I never did, though. Oh, I no. always knew. I remember when they told us we were canceled on uh, ABC, I said, I don't know how, but I'm going to get us 200 episodes. And I did. And did it syndicate? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, nice. it, it ain't what it was. It ain't like a Cosby syndication. But then again, I ain't got to pay out a lawsuit. So it's... Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> no, you don't got to go broke and <laughs> blind and be disgraced forever. <laughs> hey, be erased. Stop from, telling the truth. <laughs> be erased from history. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. But then we, you know, I was on the, the, the said was on, said and Steve were on the Steve show. Bernie was just a crushing them on the road. I was on my show. Bernie hadn't had his show he yet. He hadn't had his show yet. And so they wanted to play arena, so they bought me on. And we toured for three years, and then Bernie got a show. That was huge, was that tour. very big. And then Spike did the movie. Then Spike did the movie. Did he do it like he did it early on though, right? It didn't like, or did he wait three years? It was, like, the, it was the third year. Oh, it was. Yeah, so you was guys it. were tight. Yeah, we were, we were. We were ready to go. But it was weird for me. What happened for me is I had done another HBO special, thirty days before, and it had aired. It's called Going Home, and it had aired about 40, 35, 30, 30, 40 days before we we're going to shoot the comedy get the. The uh, Kings of Comedy. Oh, really? So I had to write. I had written an hour. Right. So I had to write thirty more minutes in a, in a month. In a month, it was horrible. Oh, it's the worst. It was horrible because you you spent like a year putting that HBO yep. shit together. A couple years, tight, and right? Yep. And it's tight, and you know how it goes. Yep. Man, yep. man, how did how did you feel it came out? I don't know. It I would have right. noticed. It was all right. Yeah. It was. It wasn't. It was. I wish that I'd have gotten. I wish I could have done my HBO special on the Kings of Comedy, but I did it then. But I've done. This is. My uh, September eighteenth will, will be for Netflix. Contrarian will be my eleventh special. That's amazing. Eleven, That's three great. books and eleven. Sp- I've written three books and three specials in the last six years. Well, this is like this is the time, <laughs> you know. It it's is, like yeah. if you're giving away money, you know, and yeah. there's all these different options, yep. you know, and and it's sort of hard though, like you know, when you hear about how some of the guys we know and came up with the money they're making, yeah. and then they make your offer. Yeah. There's some part of your brain, but you're still gonna, like still a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's funny? I had no idea. This when they so Michael goes, we got your Netflix. Yeah. So I said, all right, thanks, man. I, yeah. That's cool, dope. I want to do it. Uh, and so we, I start writing it and getting it together. And then I hear Monique say. They only offered to have me a dozen. But hey, wait a minute! How much did they offer me? Like it was months later. Like I had been excited about the deal. Right, I had no just, idea what I was going to assume. Mike Rotenberg would give you a good deal, right? right? Yeah, yeah, I just didn't even think about it because I thought because when we did specials, it was to it was like a uh, calling card. Just yeah, let me show sure, you. Sure, right, right. Let me right. show off. You're for just you happy a to get right. Get it right. I just to get the exposure. Like, right. I want you to see what I'm right, doing these right. days. And then and I they said, told you how much. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. I'll take it. I'll do it. But uh, but it's when when I was looking at like because I I've watched you all all the time you, like um, you know you had the Hughleys but then like any of us you know you got to keep moving you got to keep yeah. working and you did mm-hmm. the, the tour and then like when how did Bernie die again he dropped from a heart attack too no he had uh, sarcoidosis 
Uh, which is a lung, which is a oh, pulmonary oh, oh. thing. Yeah. So were you with him towards the yeah, end too? Yeah, yeah. But the the sad thing about that is that, uh, you know, we were in Vegas. I was doing a gig in Vegas, and uh, everybody there was this fake rumor that Bernie had died, uh-huh. and uh, we found out it wasn't true. So I said, I'll go see him. Yeah. I'll make this run. Yeah. Had all these days books, so I'll go see him. Uh-huh. And then he died, right when I was gonna like I was winding. Go down check it out. Go check him out. And I remember when they had his funeral, I was performing in Phoenix. Yeah. So I took a private jet from Phoenix to go to his funeral and then back to Phoenix. Uh-huh. And I remember the biggest testament you could have to somebody yeah. is to honor them and go see them and then do what you guys have done, yeah. which is to be on stage. Like right. right after my old man died, I was on stage. Right yeah. after so uh, one thing I did learn is that people say all kind of shit like he knows that you love them nah you gotta tell somebody you love them right I think that that's just a, that's just that's the coward's way that's what people say so that they let you off the hook right but how could he know something yeah. I didn't tell him so yeah. I, that's, uh, that is truly a great regret in my professional and personal, personal uh, that life that you didn't that, get to say that that to I didn't get to say that to him, yeah. he's another one of the greats he is that people don't necessarily put up there Oh, they well. I think in our community, he's very oh yeah, well oh yes, good, yes, yeah, yes. But uh, the question I was going to ask though is like you know, like when I look at you tried a lot of shit. Yeah, I did uh, a ton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when they gave you the CNN show and yeah. they didn't have comedy on CNN, yeah. and you're setting up this panel show yeah. and you wanted to be informative yeah. but funny, and it didn't quite Man. catch. But you know what's funny? What? Um, we did a million people a weekend. Really? A million? Yes, for right. a weekly show. For for a weekend show. And they and they ran it a few times, right? They ran it a few times, and we did it almost. Uh, we did it from October all the way to like April. But uh, what happened was the economy tanked, uh-huh. um, and so that money that they used to have to have right. experiments they didn't have anymore. And yeah. Larry King wouldn't let, let us use his studio, so I was living in L.A. And they got me an apartment in New York, so I would have to do it and rehearse there and go on the road. Yeah. So I was home for twelve hours a week, so uh-huh. I had to, so I had to get. I wanted to see my family. And you got uh, how many kids? You got three. Yeah. And so uh, they said, well, either you can do it from have to do it from New York, or you can't do it, and that's why how it ended. But the same apartment I have in New York now yeah. is the one CNN got me. Oh, really? You I just kept, it. You kept I, it? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. And then you did, uh, like, you worked with Jay. You did a lot of segments for Leno's yeah, show. I but you're always, like, in, 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 at some point, you know, when you look at your career, and, like, I have to do the same thing, where you're, like, you can't look at it as, like, well, I tried a bunch of shit that didn't work out. Sure, you got can. Right, but you still look at it like, that's a career, man. Yeah. Right? I, I, I never, I, I haven't had that much. It's not that, uh, to me, um... It's one of the things I have always loved about you and respected about your kind of uh, journey. Yeah. Is that all of that was getting you ready for this moment. Right. That's true. All of it. Yeah. So you got to, so I can't, now, like when I look back and they, and I, you know, I've written three books. I yeah. won a Peabody Award. I got a radio show I dig. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty respected. Yeah, very. I do what I want. Right. I say what I right. want. If, if. If, if a motherfucker asks me a question, they know I'm going to tell them the truth. Right. You know, so, and 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 I have opportunities to do things, and I'm asked to do things all the time, and I get to say no a lot. It's the best. It is the best, man. And so I can't, in the end, and, and, and I still comedically love what I do. Yeah. 
It's a, well, the great thing about getting to the age we're at and having you know had some failures or at least some things that right. didn't happen is that you you know you you can you don't you become truly fearless at some point. Right. You know, at some point it's like, what's going to fucking happen? Right. Now? Right. What, what are you going to do? Right. I remember when people got so mad at me. I, I remember uh, I was on. Uh, Jay Leno on uh -huh. Don Imus thing had happened and those uh, you know he called them nappy head hoes and oh, I was yeah. on Jay Leno and I said that was wrong those girls weren't hoes but they were nappy head and what the fucking firestorm that started from who from from the, the women in the black community oh. were angry and they wanted me to <laughs> apologize and I'm like I'm not fucking apologizing for a joke and they were boycotting me and protesting me really? showing oh man it was insane and then it was bad. It was horrible. Like Steve wouldn't let me on the show because he said people are mad at you, and um, there's a lot of people that wouldn't book me. Really? Yes. Because the 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 black women were, were mad. Mad. And I said, which was ridiculous, because my wife is black. My yeah. mistresses have all been black. My yeah. <laughs> so I was I was clearly making a joke. Yeah. But I never felt like you shouldn't have to apologize for a joke. Right. And I defended a man that made a bad. It just it just I, I think you're disingenuous if you give yourself leeway that you don't give to somebody else. And it taught me a lot. It taught me I could take a punch. Yeah. And it made me unflinching in my convictions. I yeah. believe what I say. Yeah. And I'm willing to you know if you don't dig it I get it. But yeah. Uh, fuck you if you can't take a joke. And you and you took it you took uh, Megan Kelly to task yeah. which was beautiful. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, but you know what I don't like about people. Mar People play home games. Uh -huh. Like, uh, really, uh, you know, Sean Hannity, all those cats, yeah. uh, you know, Tucker Carlson, they're cowards because they only play in their cathedrals. Right. They only play home games. That's right. She was on Fox when you did that, she right? Was on, remember back when she was on Fox when she was a racist and now totally. NBC, she gets to pretend like she's not? It ain't working. Like, just because- I, I look at her and I'm like, you pretty <laughs> monster. <laughs> like, hey, hey, it's just because you cook with olive oil don't mean you don't- Like, so So it was, it was one of those times yeah. where- you know, like I've never been scared to. I can't have remember my what was it exactly about. It was it was about. Uh, I had another book at that time called Black Man White House. Yeah, and it was a it was a, that was the second book. It was the second book. It was the oral history of the Obama years. Yeah, and it was told like you know how Twain did that that oral history. Oh kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And I pretended like I was there. It was kind of like Forrest Gump. I pretended like I was there doing all, all of these it. things. Oh, right, right. And it was hilarious, and it had done really well. And we were originally there to talk about that. Yeah. But then Philando Castillo got killed, and there had been this rash of shootings. Right. Uh, and so it morphed to that kind of conversation. And she had that dude, uh, Mark Furman, come out before me, unbeknownst to me. And I'm like, the LAPD guy. Yeah, I'm like, a the, disgrace. The monster, yeah. Yeah, look, look, when you are so racist that you get a black murderer off, yeah. you're not an expert that they should ever use. Yeah. The only place he could be an expert fight. So we had this huge fight. And uh, you know that like, like thirty million people saw because we were yeah I remember out. watching it it yeah. was and, and then uh, I was so mad and incensed uh, that I wrote this book how not to get shot and other advice from white people oh you think that was part of the trigger of it it was a trigger it definitely I, I think that that's and I and it took me a year to a about a year uh, to sell the premise and my my agent my book agent Richard and Peter my publisher uh, my editor uh, we. And Doug, who, yeah. who wrote the book with me. But thank you to white benign racism and white indifference because it, it is catapulting such a level of creativity, creativity, whether it's LeBron James with his shut up and dribble because of Laura Ingram uh -huh. or, or this book because of Megyn Kelly. Uh -huh. It's that blonde, white, indifferent, uh, benign 
but vitriolic racism that just is is really kind of what everybody Ingram's t- not benign. Yeah, no, she's not benign. <laughs> Megan's pretending not. to be benign, she's but, not, she's not. but they but they use the same. No, I know. Yeah, I'll no, say that. Yeah, but I, but thank you to them. But I, yeah, this book is funny, but it's also it it it, it, it I'd imagine it's probably pretty hilarious to to the black community. Yeah. but it's also a, a pretty scathing fucking indictment I, I, that's of what, white people. That it is. Yeah, it is. But it's. But not, I laughed at it. Yeah. Well, because you have perspective. <laughs> right. Each chapter is. It's a, like a, a, a an amalgamation white, of all the advice, the things that white people, white people tell black always, people all the time. Yeah, always, yeah, yeah. It, like, and all the stuff you've experienced, right? Like, yeah. like, like, don't like how to name your kids. Yeah, where to drive, how not to get shot by the police, yeah. under, uh, how to act, and then the subcategories are how to be nice and quiet. Right. What kind of music should you listen right. to? Stop making white people say the n word. Right. How to not come from a single parent household. Right. That's tricky because all yeah, it is. But it's all those. You know, they come from these. Do you know that if you listen to white people, you think every black person lives in Chicago? Like, I don't care what happens in Sacramento, they go, what what about Chicago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Chicago? Most people don't. Yeah. That would be like, that's that's casting it. That's saying everybody that Chicago is really kind of what, you know, that they, 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 they represent the moral failing that we all have. And they, they that is really kind of uh, biased and racist. But you would never say that because uh, that, that, you know, a lot of people die of opiates in West Virginia, but that isn't indicative. That isn't the total. Uh, that isn't what white people are. So it's it's, it's amazing but, to me. But, but, yeah, but you know, the white people are keeping that shit under wraps because of shame. <laughs> it because is. Because of shame. Yes. yes. You know, like the amount of white people that are dying from that shit yeah. from all classes. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and, and there's an amazing book called Dreamland mm-hmm. about the opioid epidemic, but it's like, you know, 50, 60,000, 70,000 a year, yeah. but they can't even address it. Like, they, you know, the, the black community had no, no, uh, they had to address crack. Yeah, because yeah, we were going to jail. Yeah, and dying. <laughs> in prison, yeah. And crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, when they, when they bring up black on black crime, it's like saying, well... If there was a bank that got robbed all the time and the police get to do it because, look, at they're scared. It's black on black crime, which is really bullshit because crime is about proximity. It's, it, black neighborhoods aren't any more dangerous than white neighborhoods just because they have black people in them. They're dangerous, more inherently dangerous because they have poor black people. In them. Right. Show me a safe, poor neighborhood. Right. You won't be able to because they're because. Right. And, and, and well, class is not something that's talked about. That's, but they, but they, because they want it to, they want the, those to be the marching orders. But I will say that. Um, just like if something happened to you, climb is about proximity. If something happened to you, they would talk to your girlfriend first or your family first. Yeah. They want to, wait, you know, well, yeah, I get it. I get all that. Let's see who, who this. And that's that's the same thing. You tend to hurt the people you're around. But I, I, I'm, I'm, the people have used, I, I, I fundamentally believe that there's never been uh, a situation that has been visited on black people or people of color that was so horrible, so atrocious, so gruesome, so brutal that America went, you know, that's enough. Yeah. They've, they, I don't think they've ever been so, whether it's Emmett Till or no matter what it is, no matter, I don't care if it's a child strapped to a fucking fan, a motor and thrown and mutilated. Yeah. America's tolerance, or uh, they have a high tolerance for the agony of black people. They just don't, they don't care about it. They're indifferent. And, and so when, like the question I had in my mind, and obviously I can't, you know, it's like I, I, I can't speak to you as a representative for all black people, but, <laughs> but I, I like when this administration took control mm-hmm. and when Sessions was made 
attorney general, I, I have to assume that, you know, as as disheartening and heartbreaking and horrible as it was, there was some element within the black community that was like, now, nah, here we go again. My father said, uh, we've seen this before. Right. They're, like uh, elected officials being racist and hating black people isn't new as retro. It's really there right. been very few people in that in the Oval Office or any other office that didn't that that weren't. But we didn't know it as viscerally as his generation. Like our generation, yeah, sure. you know, like because we're the same age and we've been through some presidencies. Mm-hmm. But to be shamelessly racist yeah. and and provoke racism yeah. was a little before us. I would say, like, I grew up, I lived in Los Angeles during the Watts riots, so I can't tell, I'm right, the first right. one of my fa- mother's children, the first one that had the full rights of an American citizen. The first one. Mm. So, I mean, what, although I wasn't rights. a voter and all that, but oh, yeah. so I wasn't aware, I mean, obviously I wasn't aware, but it still happened in yeah. my life. Right, right, right. So, yeah. th- th- I have, you know, right. I still happened in my life. It, yeah. You know, the fact that the, you know, Voters uh, Rights Act has to be you know, it's not in perpetuity. You have to keep voting on it and doing it over and over again. So it's it's just, I think we get to detach ourselves from kind of everyday experiences if we're not having them. But I don't think this seems, Trump and, and his kind seem familiar to me. Yeah. They yeah. do. They, 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 they don't seem, they, if you look at the, the popularized notion of the average American around the world. Yeah. The, the the perception of us he yeah. embodies all of it yeah I, there's on some level he's like you know it makes complete sense that he's president right. it, 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 so when you when you look at uh, wh- how we perceive in Europe how we perceive bellicose fat lazy bully immoral immoral what is he greedy that, right so you he he embodies so I I've always I, I said this that Barack Obama it was who this nation aspired to be yeah. Trump is who we are yeah terrible. <laughs> it's true. That's who we are. Yeah. This couldn't live. This couldn't. This couldn't. And then it, what cracks me up is when people go, "Well, you know, you know, he can't look at the unemployment rate for black people. It's at a historic low. So how could it be racist?" No, I no. beg to differ. During slavery, it was zero percent, and they hated niggas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you yeah. can work at two months. <laughs> yeah. So let's not pretend the fact that they are that you that people are yeah. employed right. means that we have a level of acceptance and tolerance. Right. Like everything's Kumbaya. okay. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, man, it's great to talk to you. Always, man. And uh, I'm glad I got you the book. It's funny. It's good. Thanks. It's informative. Made me feel, uh, you know, made me uh, look at myself. Yeah. What'd you feel about? <laughs> well, you've already done it. You let a black dude in your garage, and it's yeah. been great. Yeah. And I'm taking something. Do you know what I'm taking? Yeah. Take whatever you want on there. Just, just don't hurt me. <laughs> Thanks, man. What a pleasure. <laughs> D.L. Hughley. I love it. I loved having him here. Again, Contrarian, his new special is now available to stream on Netflix. And his uh, most recent book, How Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People, is available wherever you get books. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll pick up an axe. It's been a while. How my fingers. Let's see what happens. (laughs) 